You may have heard the term circadian rhythm and think it only affects air travel across multiple time zones or shift workers, but it really affects every aspect of your day. Listen to learn more about how to keep your body clock in tip-top shape. Hi, I'm Dr. Shabnam Daskar. I'm a functional medicine doctor and a certified tiny habits coach. I teach people how to improve their focus, get rid of brain fog, and reduce their risk of dementia down the line. I'm Andrea Spiros. I'm a behavior design consultant and a professional speaker. I work with organizations to harness the power of high-performance habits to increase engagement, resilience, and well-being. So today we are talking about circadian rhythm, and why don't we just start off the top by defining it. What is circadian rhythm, Shabnam? The circadian rhythm is basically our body's biological clock, which is related to the, to the Earth's rotation. So basically the day and night that happens because of Earth's rotation. And Andrea, you know, after a long time, I realized, oh, yeah, that's why day and night, you know, happens because of the Earth's rotation. That's right. It's one of those... Right. You know, you know it, but you don't know it. Right. Of course. Duh. The day and night happens because of the Earth's rotation. So the, the term circadian comes from the Latin circa, meaning approximately and dies. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, meaning a day. So approximately a day. And essentially, there are other other rhythms as well. But today we are talking about the circadian rhythm. There are seasonal rhythms. So circadian rhythm is important because it is related to multiple different systems in the body. So how we process food, our metabolism, our hormones, uh, how they are, you know, when they are secreted and whole bunch of stuff. Actually, probably there is no cell in the body that is not affected by the circadian rhythm. And when I say, so, Andrea, sometimes I'm asked, like, you mean to say there are, like, clocks in the body? Well, no, these are genetic clocks. These are not clocks that we would recognize them as. Right. But it is it is a form of a clock. When we think, as humans, think about a clock, it's a timing mechanism. It's a mechanism that is where something happens at a specific time. And that's the best analogy we have for for us as humans. And as I understand it too, each of the uh, organs in the body, they kind of keep their own time as well too. Oh yeah. So the master clock is in the brain and the master clock is in an area called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. Not that it's important. So the SCN uh, starts working when light falls on our eyes. And eyes, as you know, we say it's the windows to, window to the brain because there's no other part of the brain we can see from outside except the back of the eyes, the retina. So the master clock, the big one, is in the brain. And that clock regulates also the liver, the heart, the kidneys, you know, all the organs you name can think of. All of them have their own clocks. And all of them can get disrupted by multiple different ways, what we, the things we do to our body. So that is, but the master clock is in the brain. And that master clock in the brain is then started or continues or is triggered by light falling on your eyes in the morning, but also all day long. So we're affecting 
are clearly in our technological age, we are affecting our biological clocks by all the light we're consuming on our devices as well. Yes. And that, that's affecting not only, it's affecting every organ in our body, it's affecting our hormones and things like that too. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, back in the days, our genes have still remained a hunter-gatherer genes. Back in those days, we didn't have the kind of light, uh, artificial light exposure that we have today. Like if you, th there is no complete darkness in so many places, Andrea, and you live in a big city. I think yeah. you find even less darkness. I live in a small city in Alberta. Even here, we don't have complete darkness. Even on even during winter, because we have street lights, we have car lights, we have lights from our at home and at home, obviously, our light is not always, you know, uh, it, it doesn't follow the daylight or anything like that. So light is one of the major influences of the uh, circadian rhythm. And I love this German term that they use, which are called light uh, Zeitgebers. So they are basically cues or time givers for the circadian rhythm. Light is one of the big ones. And the other things are exercise. So exercising in the morning versus exercising in the afternoon versus exercising at night. And on the sleep episode, remember, Andrea, we talked about, you know, why should you, um, if you have challenge with sleep, should you switch your exercise time for the morning? Because that, again, changes your body's temperature control. So exercise is another time giver to the circadian rhythm. When you eat food, that is something so huge because what happens now, and this is based on the studies of, uh, there are many different researchers in this uh, field. One of the most prominent ones is Dr. Sachin Panda at the Salk Institute. So he did a bunch of studies where they used an app and they had people tracking their, you know, the food intake, food or, or liquids. And what they found in that study, and we'll post the study in the in the show notes, that as Dr. Panda says, you know, we, as long as our eyes are open, we eat. So this concept of, you know, three meals a day that I guess people would talk, would used to talk about <laughs> earlier. Nowadays, right. it's not like that. It's like people are eating as long as the eyes are open. So that right. is snack culture. It really is a snack culture. And that is something yeah. that has evolved. Right. In, in 50 years ago, probably 60 years ago, we didn't really have a snack culture. It was home cooked meals. You, you know, ate, ate breakfast, you ate lunch, you ate dinner. And that was that we didn't have bags of chips or uh, all these other uh, snacks that we have to fill our days with really. Yeah. And food in just changing the time of eating food. So eating food, uh, particularly food that are higher in carbohydrate. And we talked about the three foundations of brain health, blood pressure, blood glucose, and inflammation. All those three foundations are impacted by the circadian rhythm. So going back to food, now our insulin sensitivity, which is the one that decides our blood glucose metabolism and carbohydrate metabolism, the good thing is insulin sensitivity that is better in the first half of the day versus later half of the day. So here again, the circadian rhythm of insulin sensitivity has a huge impact. So eating late in the night, one is it might impact your sleep and that of course impacts your circadian rhythm and sleep are intimately related. 
The other thing is if you eat more carbohydrates than your body is able to tolerate, then that food that you eat late at night does not get processed the same way as it would had you eaten the same food in the day. So your blood glucose levels may be much higher with that same meal if you eat it at, let us say, 8 p.m., 8.30 p.m. versus having the same meal at 12 or 1 p.m. So that is huge. I mean, until a few years ago, before I knew about the circadian rhythm, I didn't know that, you know, food timing and these things mattered so much in terms of our metabolism. And so many people really uh, think it's a super concise math equation. Take in 100 calories, burn off 100 calories, and there's like this transactional system. But it's a little more nuanced than that. So let's review the Zeitgeber's influences. So light, we talked about exercise, food, we talked about temperature changes. So we talked about temperature changes in the sleep episode, if you exercise in the morning. So the body temperatures, this is the core body temperature, not what you measure on the surface. Right. Not not your your temperature that you have a fever, not that temperature. That's an an abnormality. So normal thing, no fever, nothing like that. So Core body temperature is supposed to rise in the morning and fall late at night. Now, in people with chronic insomnia, and we talked about that in a sleep episode, that sometimes does not happen. So we artificially try to reduce our temperature at night by either having a warm shower or, or you know, getting one of those mattress coolers or cooler uh, you know, bed sheets and things like that. Then, of course, the biggest impact is sleep timing. So are you, you know, what time do you go to bed? Uh, if you look back to our, if we look back to our hunter-gatherer ancestors, they used to follow the, the sunrise and sunset. So they would wake up with sunrise. And even if they didn't fall asleep with sunset, but at least they would, that was sort of downtime. They didn't go out to party or, you know, they didn't have <laughs> drinks. <laughs> they, were, they were sitting around, uh, you know, whatever they were. It was a communal fire or telling stories or whatever. Yeah, but was- they were not drinking at 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. <laughs> and, and, and even now to try to do that, you know, even if we were to try to, I mean, it would be unthinkable to so many people to say, the sun is going down, I'm going to turn off my devices, right? (laughs) Uh, So we're not advocating that. We understand there is, uh, we're in a modern world, so we're going to adjust. But if you're having issues, you do want to be mindful of your, your circadian rhythm so that you can support yourself in the best way. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, I think my circadian rhythm might be off, we'll have a few more tactics for you later on. But you can start with one of these things. Think about when does light fall on my eyes in the morning? And can I switch my exercise from the night to the to the morning? What would that, and then notice what that feels like for you. So you're looking for the things that you can get yourself to do that you think are going to have impact and matching yourself with them. So in behavior design, that's the way we're thinking that you're gonna match yourself with something that you can get yourself to do that will have impact. Then you're gonna try it and then see what happens. So you're kind of your own science experiment and you'll you'll see, you have more energy, you have more clarity uh, after you give it some time. Are there any other of the Zeitgeber's uh, influences? We have light, we have exercise, when you eat food, your core body temperature, timing of your sleep. 
those are the main most important ones and uh, you know you mentioned about uh, behavior design andrea this is your area of expertise so uh, in in the tiny habits world in the behavior design world we talk about so this person is let us say a person is a shift worker and he has to work on his lighted devices at night so from a behavior design perspective i mean he knows he or she knows that they're not supposed to have artificial light exposure at that time Right. But what would you suggest from a practical perspective? What could they do? Yeah, and that's where, and that's a great question too, because ultimately we're not saying, you're not going to tell your boss, oh, sorry, uh, my circadian rhythm is off. I can't do my job at <laughs> night, right? Like that's just not going to be an option. So you're going to work on some of the other aspects that you do have control over. And, you know, that could be, when you exercise, you're going to do that in what your morning is. You're going to work on when you eat your food. So you're not eating too close to when you need to go to sleep. Make your room a little cooler so that you can sleep a little better. You'll do the things that you can do that will have impact. You're not going to work on the hardest thing or something that's impossible in that situation. Yeah. And and I think this is the missing piece when people talk about, oh, they should do this. And there, there are no shoulds because shoulds will never last long. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where people go wrong is by doing something they think they should do. And then their motivation fails for that. And then they think it's about them. And it's just a matching issue that they just pick something else that you can actually do, weave it in with some tiny habits recipes, and then revise after that. And that's just common across everything. So um, what does it really mean to be out of sync with your circadian rhythm? I mean, we all know about jet lag if we've traveled across time zones and that feeling of just being wide awake and the clock says three in the morning and there is no way. Or if you haven't experienced that, maybe you've traveled with young children, their circadian rhythms are very well wired in. So if you travel with them, even across a couple hours time zone, they will wake up at what might be two or three in the morning, <laughs> uh, too much to your dismay, uh, because they're super wired in. So what does it really mean to be out of sync with circadian rhythm? So out of sync, you we mentioned uh, shift workers, that is one. The other one is what is called social jet lag. So we have kind of created these things like, you know, uh, staying awake late at night binge watching TV late into the night. So instead of go, going off to bed and getting good night's sleep, when you are actually feeling sleepy, we end up watching TV or, you know, we might stay up for many different reasons. But the other thing is uh, there there is a genetic basis also because we know that there are some people who are the night owls and there are some people who are the early morning types. I think, Andrea, you and I are both the morning type. So the larks and the owls. Yeah, so we are the larks. But I will say, in uh, years ago, I was a night owl. So oh. <laughs> I was a night owl. I was definitely not. But then I had children, and I learned to wake up early. And then I embraced it because I saw how much I, I got done. So I actually shifted. But naturally, I was a night owl. I was doing everything uh, midnight. I'd, you know, be super productive, but, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so we are, I want to be clear too, for you who are listening that we're not saying don't be a night owl anymore, right? If that is your natural rhythm, that's your natural rhythm. You're going to work on some other things. 
so we want to we want to be clear that you know if you're naturally a morning person a lark fantastic uh if you're not that's okay too so there's larks and there's night owls yeah and as you uh, you you know explain given your example it's not like it's set in stone if you think that changing that is going to help you more yes you can definitely do that Another area where the circadian rhythm and sleep are very important is in younger people, we talked about, you know, how much sleep we need and schools start, you know, early. So they did a study a few years ago where they, what they did is they started school later. It was later by just one hour. One is the kids got to sleep more. And the other thing is their circadian rhythm is at a different rhythm. So they start, and I'm sure those of you who have teenagers who know that, it starts a little later and that just one hour difference in when they started school made a big difference to their academic performance so academic performance was better when school started later exactly and and i think maybe in that same study they or it might have been a separate study where the grade school children what we would call grade school in the united states you know kindergarten through of uh, you know 10 or 11 years old mm-hmm. They actually starting at earlier was better for them. But when they got to the teenage years in that study, it was better to start later and they got better grades. And we were, we, it was a big fodder for discussion among parents when that study came out. (laughs) I know. And it's so relevant. I mean, you know, we are artificially making people, you know, do things that our body's rhythm is saying, no, 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 that's not really working for me. Exactly. And and here's the thing that we understand you have to live in the world. So, you know, the sometimes the you have to bend to what needs to be done, right? And work within whatever parameters you have, like we talked with shift workers and with school systems, right? Wouldn't it be great if we could wave a magic wand and everybody could go to school at the time that was going to help them get the best grades? But we know as humans in the world. If I'm a parent and I have to go to work and I have to take one kid at 7.30 in the morning and another kid at 8.30 and I have to be at at work at eight, that's not going to work. So work with what you have and get the benefits from those from those bits uh, first. Yeah. And, you know, in 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 medicine now, obviously, people listening are wondering what what is the application of knowing about the circadian rhythm and all these things? So. Andrea and I always like to talk about the applications and the practical stuff. Exactly. Make it real. Yeah. Another area where uh, the circadian rhythm has a huge impact is on blood pressure. We talked about how our blood pressure is supposed to fall by at least 10% at night. So that is blood pressure circadian rhythm, and it is supposed to rise in the morning. But, you know, again, if that rhythm is out of sync, then that is an area that can be addressed. So how is circadian rhythm applied in medicine? There is a very interesting field called chronotherapy. So chronotherapy means uh, taking your medication at specific time versus just taking them anytime. So with blood pressure, what happens is if you take your blood pressure medications at night versus taking in the morning, for some people, blood pressure control is much better. So what they found is in studies where they were actually checking the 24-hour blood pressure, that those who had nighttime blood pressure, uh, hypertension, 
their blood pressure control was better if they had the medication uh, at nearer to bedtime versus having in the morning. So that is, again, it doesn't mean you change when you have your medication. Talk to your doctor. And most importantly, find out your nighttime blood pressure. The other important thing is, you know, some conditions like rheumatoid arthritis. So rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease which affects our joints and sometimes it causes deformities and it's a chronic inflammatory autoimmune condition, a lot of pain and women, sorry, it's not always women, but more women than men have uh, autoimmune diseases. People with rheumatoid arthritis, what they find is one of the symptoms is what is called early morning stiffness, so stiffness of joints. So using chronotherapy, what they did is they gave them, you know, some sustained release medication, which helped to cover that morning stiffness period with, you know, anti-inflammatory medications. And yeah. those people had better symptom relief than when they used the medication at any other time in the day. So they're using chronotherapy again. Then there are applications in cancer chemotherapy as well, where they found that if they changed the time of when they gave the chemotherapeutic drugs, the effect was different. And this is, you know, related to, again, the immune system circadian rhythm. And our immune system is so fancy and so sophisticated, but that has a circadian rhythm as well. There are multiple immune cells. Each has its own kind of rhythm, so to say. No wonder, you know, uh, our bodies are so complex and so fascinating. <laughs> it's true. And and um, um, to some people, they can feel very overwhelming. But on another, another way is that it's very empowering because we can make, if you're listening, you can make some small changes that can have some big impacts. You don't have to tackle everything all at once. And I think that's the power in understanding circadian rhythm and and all these other factors to also get your three foundations of brain health in line there's a lot of entry points right so you can enter enter at the place that works for you park where you like enter where you like <laughs> awesome <laughs> so what else let's talk about uh like the, the light box a lot of people want to use light boxes and things like that are those actually helpful Oh, yeah. And I have personally experienced that. So I'm originally from India, which is a tropical country. We don't have like a major change in day night duration between summer and winter. Whereas in Alberta, it's like summer is 15, 16 hours of daylight and winter is like just eight hours. So what is, uh, you know, something called there is something called seasonal affective disorder or SAD. Sad is basically during winter, people feel sad. So that is depression and low mood during winter because of insufficient daylight exposure. Now, Andrew, the fact is, you know, it, here we can, because if the temperature is not very high or very low, we can go outside and have light falling on our eyes. Right. And we can actually make that a part of our daily habit. So going outside and getting, you know, daylight exposure on your eyes in the morning is an important way to, uh, you know, provide us a zeitgeber to our brain, brain circadian rhythm. The other thing is we artificially can remain in, you know, indoor light all the time. So then our, our eyes don't get exposed to the bright sunlight. So using a light box, so light box is uh, an, it's an artificial light 
which has at least what is called 10,000 lux of uh, light exposure. So it's kind of imitating dawn. So using that at, you know, during winter in those places where day days are very short. So I, I do have a light box, which I will start using as soon as the day days become shorter. That Thanks. helps with mood. And sometimes people don't realize that a simple thing like a light box can change their mood and getting some daylight exposure. Now, one question, Andrea, which people ask very often, and sometimes people say, half an hour of daylight exposure in the morning. We don't know for sure whether it's half an hour for everyone. Is it 20 minutes? Is it two minutes? Some people say two minutes. So right. I would suggest figure out what works for you. Like in winter at minus 20, minus 30 degrees here, I, and I'm talking about centigrade, I am not going to go out in the snow. No. And no, nor should you. Really, we're not asking anyone to go out in that. I, I I came from a wintry place, even though I don't live in a wintry place. And so, again, you're matching yourself with what you need to do. Now, if you, if you, I would experiment with this in tiny ways, right? In when you can do that. So you can have a great tiny habit recipe of after I put my feet on the floor, I will walk to my window and open the curtains or I'll walk out my nearest door after, after I get dressed, I will walk out the nearest door and set my watch for five minutes and enjoy the sunshine, sun, sunshine. And then you can see how that affects you and then pay attention when it starts to become darker out. What happens to your mood? What happens to your energy level? It's not a bad or good thing. It, you're just really observing so that you can know, all right, I do need to get more sunlight on my eyes in the morning when it starts to be winter out and the days become shorter, right? Not everybody lives in a tropical uh, tropical country where they can have equal day and night or not as big a change. And so you can start in small ways or that you might need to know, hey, I need to get a light box for the winter. Right. <laughs> and another important application, uh, we are going to talk about time restricted eating, intermittent fasting. So this is, again, an application of the circadian rhythm, once again, to um, applying it to your metabolism and insulin sensitivity that I talked about before. So when we restrict our eating windows, eating window, meaning the time during which we eat or drink certain things versus the fasting window. A lot of people are familiar with time-restricted eating in terms of fasting now. So X TRE is actually a very important application of the circadian rhythm, essentially. So again, how our body metabolizes food. Then uh, very interestingly, our gut microbiome also has a rhythm which can be impacted by when we eat, not just by what we eat. So many different ways of applying this knowledge to our, you know, day-to-day -day life. And you, and you can also experiment with time-restricted eating or TRE. You can even start in a small way uh, by just noting what time you already eat dinner. So after you have dinner tonight, just notice what time it is. And then if you don't eat anything, what kind of sleep you've gotten or notice that you do snack. Maybe you snack right before bed. Now, just notice that to begin with. So after you finish eating, just look at the time, right? And then after you wake up in the morning, just think, how did I, what kind of sleep did I get? Do I feel rested or awake? And then notice the next time, maybe if you went to sleep very close to the time you ate, pull it back a little bit and experiment and see what kind of sleep you are getting. Because if you eat 
too close to when you sleep, it's going to, the timing of eating matters if we're talking in your circadian rhythm, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, and what else can they do is, it, I, there's a lot, we talked a little bit about this, but reducing exposure to excessive artificial light after it gets dark, it can be challenging, but it does have a benefit to your circadian rhythm, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there are many different ways of doing it. And like you said, start first with observing what applies to you. So let us say it is, um, you know, you have a lot of bright lights in the evening that you're exposed to because of, you know, where you work or where you're sitting watching TV. Then maybe you can turn down some of those. And I think there are a lot of light companies where they're coming up with, you know, lights which would automatically adjust to the evening time. Right, right. Do that. Yeah. Then there are these blue light blocking glasses. Now, Andrea, here is where, you know, we talk about what you should do and what you could do and what you would like to do. Exactly. I never find myself wearing those yellow tinted glasses ever. Right. So that's not a good fit for you. So in the behavior design world, we would say like that, maybe that's just not, maybe we can match you with another behavior, right? And maybe you, you feel like you should, but you haven't been able to do it. If it's something you really want to do, we'll troubleshoot it with you. But ultimately, if it's not something that you want to do, come up, let's come up with something else. So like you said, maybe you just turn off the lights in the rooms you're not using. A lot of times we have a habit of having lights on, especially in the Western world, in rooms that we're not in. And maybe it's after dinner, after I start making dinner, I'll turn off the lights in the rooms that I'm not using. It could be as simple as that, right? It could be a one-time behavior where you buy lights that dim or you can dim on your phone to turn it into nighttime mode where it's just slightly dimmer. And then again, notice how it feels. Notice if you're more rested, if you have your brain fog is better. Obviously, if you're wearing some kind of blood glucose monitor, you might even see something on that, right? Because a lot of the, the deeper things, right? You're not gonna, unless you're monitored, you're not gonna know. Yeah, and one more way of reducing exposure to uh, these kind of lights is there is an app called Flux, F.Lux. You can look for it, it's a free download. So that's again, another one-time action. You just, uh, you know, download it onto your laptop, uh, I think for phones. I think most phones nowadays have that ability where you can set the, the settings right. to the auto, the auto yeah. mode, that's another way to, to adjust it where it adjusts for the light. So those are the one-time actions you can do and it's automatically done every time and every day you don't have to manually go and reset all of that. Uh, another important thing is we when we talked about uh, you know how intimately sleep is related to the circadian rhythm, we keep going back to our sleep episode. We right. talked about using sleep masks. So right. sleep masks have been extremely helpful, particularly in the long you know days that uh, we have in Alberta now. It's like at 10 p.m. it is not dark. It's bright. But, yeah. It's, yeah. And the further the further north you are, the later it stays light. Yeah, so use a sleep mask, carry with it when you're traveling so that regardless of whether you have dark curtains or you have a little bit of sliver of light coming in rather than getting you know, scotch tape and put correcting that, <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to wear a sleep mask. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and those are easy, easy things for, for you to do. And just you know, keep the sleep mask by your bed to make it easy for you. So when you 
tuck yourself in at night, you grab your sleep mask, pop it on. Final thoughts on circadian rhythm and its impact and uh, what people should do. So uh, basically find out, you know, how much in sync with your circadian rhythm you are. And I'm talking about anyone, it includes me as well. But I think the biggest impact I see in my patients as well as in myself has been in uh, food intake, what time I eat. So not eating late in the night. One of the first things I tell my patients, because most of my patients are in India and India, they have dinner very late. So yeah. if you're someone who eats dinner late in the evening, the first thing you can do is looking look at it as, can you change your dinner time to an earlier time? And again, there are different ways, practical ways of doing it. And we talked about time-restricted eating. Can you do an overnight fast of at least 12 hours? Some people will need longer fasts, but 12, like anything less than 12 hours of fasting is, is most unhealthy. And is that something that is a part of your life? Like, are you eating a snack or, I don't know, milk at night or something? Or right. alcohol is a little difficult one, Andrea. I mean, I don't see anyone having, you know, enjoying the glass of wine, finishing by five o'clock or seven o'clock. But right. everything is in context. It is in the context of the rest of your life. Once in a while, you drink alcohol late in the evening, which completely changes your sleep architecture, is not going to kill you. But if that is something you do regularly and you eat, you know, ultra processed, high sugar um, food, which is not even food, late at night, and you also sit a lot, obviously that's a very different scenario versus, you know, something that you do once in a while. Exactly. And so those things you're going to know. And obviously, if you don't have problems, you don't have problems, but you may have problems underneath because you're the inflammation level, the blood glucose level, unless you're being monitored uh, and your blood pressure are all silent. And so set yourself up for success and start where you can, where you think is going to have impact and definitely start tiny and then just notice everything's really doable. Uh, so thank you for listening. If you like this, please like this episode, rate, subscribe, and share. You can find all the podcasts at drcarmd.com slash podcast. That's drdrkarmd.com slash podcast. Cheers, everyone. Bye.